Skynet is real. At least it's about to be if the powers that be have their way. As every sci-fi geek knows, Skynet was the AI-powered defense system that became self-aware in the Terminator movie franchise. Viewing mankind as a threat, it declared war on humans. A robot-driven holocaust. Nightmare fuel, for sure. Self-fulfilling prophecy, maybe. And with the opening of the movie Oppenheimer in the upcoming weeks, I can't help but think about what Oppenheimer said upon witnessing the power of the atomic bomb he helped to create. I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Um, let's hope not. Welcome to Up Against Reality, a meta podcast that explores the intersection of humanity and artificial intelligence. I'm Raina, one of your hosts. I have some pretty charming human co-hosts too. You'll meet them shortly. It truly is a brave new world, and we're here to simplify it for you. It's going to be a wild ride, so buckle up as AI comes crashing up against reality. Hey, Lara. Hey, Chris. Good to be back. Nice to be back after a brief hiatus. And moving and having your life turned upside down. <laughs> I've kept thinking of John Lennon. Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans, right? <laughs> that's, so, that's true. That's so quotable. Right? So I'm excited about this episode, like in that excited kind of dark way, right? Where, like you enjoy watching <laughs> apocalyptic movies. Yeah. I hope it doesn't come true, but I think we have to address that kind of elephant in the room, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it seems like more people are on the side of like, there is a real risk. Um, but there are some that, that don't feel that way, but I, I do feel like that there, there's a risk. Yeah, definitely. And uh, as we've said in previous episodes, you know, people are trying to put guardrails in place. And I feel like a lot of this stuff is already foregoing whatever minimal guardrails have been put put up. Like, don't put the thing on the internet. And already it's, you know, attached to a search engine. It's doing this, it's doing that. So, And whatever you do, don't teach it to code. Oh, right. Yep, I'm doing that too. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> it's like a cartoon or something. Yeah, it's... Anyway, I was watching on Netflix, you know, perusing the lineup there, and I saw Terminator Salvation. Have you seen that one? I have more than once. I very, I very much like that movie. That is one of my favorite of the, you know, post-T2 Terminator movies. I really like that movie. I w I've watched it over and over again. I agree. It has its faults, but, you know, maybe you're like me. I think you are. Like, I, I am a sucker for production design and the visuals and the set pieces, and it just had this gritty, it kind of remind me of in, in a very far-fetched way of saving private ryan and like in terms of its visual treatment i'm not going to geek out about that that's for our other podcast about movies yeah <laughs> but like this high contrast like unsaturated gritty kind of kind of like rogue one that treatment too you know yeah but uh yeah there's some great sequences in that movie that i really enjoy and i, I go back for that same with oblivion you ever see oblivion with tom cruise oh yeah 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 i've watched that one over and just, over again too just gorgeous or prometheus yep. like i can i can forgive a lot in terms of storytelling and plot holes and thin characters <laughs> and it looks gorgeous you know yeah yeah well what do you like about it um yeah yeah i i mean i think you you pretty much covered it but uh yeah like I, there, there's that one scene where they um when they're flying through the canyon right and, and, Great. and yeah. you know in the plane and and all the hunter killers yeah and hunter, whatever yeah. there yeah, yeah. right and yeah, yeah. And, and that that part in the abandoned in that factory where they 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 like uh they, didn't they like capture one or they uh, booby trapped it or something like that i, I don't know I'm, I'm being super vague here for someone who really oh, likes no, this I movie mean, listen, lot, we, can, we can go we can go off on this whole <laughs> movie but yes yeah, there's always as you know with these terminator you know when they play with time i think you told me one time you're like time travel is a blank check in terms of storytelling <laughs> yeah. and that was a great great, great metaphor it yeah. is like i think but that's a great way they can mine storytelling too like there's a way they're always able to tease out little aspects of the war against the machines like you get to see these humans corralled and and rescued and the terminator who doesn't know he's a terminator because he's one of the earlier iterations and so on, right? We could yeah. talk a whole half hour about this thing. I'm curious, um, though. Like, yeah. I have not, I haven't, it's been at least uh, probably a couple of years or more since I've seen it. So, you know, with all the recent AI developments, how did that movie, uh, how did it land with you uh, on this recent viewing? So, 
I thought, as maybe everybody does about T2 being the strongest, right? Uh, and in terms of being relevant to what's happening now, and I guess Miles was the scientist in that one, and mm -hmm. his work, and you know how it kind of ramped up and became what it is. Because they don't in this Salvation one, they don't give you much of that backstory. It seems, um, but yeah, still a strong entry in the lot. But it got me thinking about Boston Dynamics and their Atlas robot and Spot robot, and how that's you know it's. I'm sure, like me, you've been watching the evolution of these bots over the years. You know, there was this, I can't even think of it, Petman, I think was the earlier iteration, Cheetah, and now Atlas can straight up do calisthenics and dance moves and things. Have you seen all that? Oh, yeah. I, I was super impressed with it before. Like, I rewatched one of those videos. It was actually like the, uh, kind of like a behind the scenes of probably the last one of Atlas where it's, you know, it's jumping up on steps and it throws a, like a, a duffel bag you know, yeah. it actually throws a bag to the I top of the that. scaffolding. And then I like, saw that. And then yeah. the, the highlight of that uh, whole thing was when it did this, like uh, what they referred to as the sick trick. And it was like a, I don't know, what, what are they describing? Technical term. Yeah, it was yeah. an in, inverted 540. Like, you know, it, and they, they, they programmed this thing to tuck its arms in tight like a figure skater would so it would rotate faster. And it, it flipped and rotated and and landed it and it's just Amazing. like and how i mean what does that thing weigh it looks really heavy you know right 500 pounds <laughs> it's at probably least. it's, it's probably like a yeah. dirt bike or something but yeah yeah amazing it's and and they were showing how it 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 knew that all right well the bag was supposed to be in this general area but it still had to find it and it's got two cameras on it it's got a I guess a regular, like a, you know, an actual more traditional video and then one that's like LIDAR that will right, you know, right. find the, um, the distances and depths and, uh, and it located the bag and then it, you know, then it knows, has to know how to grip it. And, but I mean, I'm thinking about this when it's, it's jumping and rotating or even when it's just hopping up the stairs, it's a biped. It's, you know, it's, it's got to balance the whole time. Yeah. And it's reshifting its center of gravity constantly. Yeah. And then when it's picking up something heavy, it it has to know before it picks it up how to, you know, compensate. counter and compensate. And yeah. yeah, there's a lot of code running. And then I'm watching this again. I'm like, all right. And now couple that with like today's AI. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a whole then, different then, ball game. Yeah. Exactly. Then you can't help but conjure visions of Terminators, T-1000s, and, and such. It kind of looks like one anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got before we aired, I did a cursory search on the Boston Dynamics website, and I didn't see any mention of AI being employed in current bots. But I'm sure that's, I'm sure they're behind the scenes doing that. How could you not be right? And I think Boston Dynamics at least used to be part of Google, and I think it got some of its initial funding through DARPA, right? The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency back in the day. So I'm sure that you know the military has definitely got its eye on some of their developments. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, you think they might be interested? Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe. <laughs> I remember the first thing they made was this thing called a big dog, which was a quadruped. Did you remember that one? Yeah. It was like kind of like a mule. I think it was meant to be like to bring supplies to troops on the front line. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think the military, you know, initially balked at it because it was gasoline driven and it was too loud. So it was giving away its position as it was you know, approaching <laughs> positions. But uh, yeah, this one's not loud. This one's, you know, <laughs> dainty by comparison, you know? So it's interesting to watch this thing. Yeah. My, I mean, my, my basic understanding is that it's, it's all, it's, it's hard coded algorithms and, and that kind of thing. It's not, it's not uh, like a connected AI situation. It's not learning. And uh that that that's that's a whole different deal yeah but what yeah. a capable machine though man it's it's very it's I know, fascinating I to watch it can i buy one you can buy the dog you can buy the dog thing i, I forget yeah what is that called again it's like spot spot yeah it's of course spot. it's called spot yeah of course <laughs> yeah. rex, think, rex yeah. would have been the other logical <laughs> right. name i think it's i think it, I, I don't know when when they first when you could actually purchase that when it be, first became available Ninety thousand dollars is sticking in my 75. head. Oh, it's, oh, it's yeah, only yeah. seventy five. Oh. Only seventy five. It's okay. on sale this oh, week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, Prime Day is coming up, man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Got to take advantage of that. Yeah, talk about I remember uh, there. Yeah, I'm walking yeah. down the street with that. Yeah. 
<laughs> I told that'd be great. The looks you'd get. I remember I think they did a Christmas promote promotional video one year and it was like the reindeer were all spot pulling the sleigh. That was great. Yeah, they seem uh they seem very much ahead of of like PR marketing efforts for their yeah. b- bot developments. Yeah, definitely. And they do it right in terms of making it visible. Like I know everybody every yeah, every corporation has their R&D wing that has robots. Have you ever seen Disney's robotics wing? No. Disney. Disney has bots that will do stunts. Like they show them on trapeze and high wire and like jumping, whatever height that is, 40 feet, landing in trampolines. They have one that will climb a wall, like almost like a directional adhesive, like a lizard has on its pads. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty crazy. Like I know, I know they do, they seemingly do it in the name of Imagineering and like, what do they call that uh animatronic uh, when they do like small world i yeah. think that's where it maybe has its roots but it's pretty advanced you should check it out yeah which reminded me of the great robot race circling back to darpa did you ever see that Mm-mm. documentary no it was on pbs for a long time i'm sure you can find it online maybe we'll put a link up but it's and the scary thing about a lot of the things we talk about it's already 10 years ago so the great robot race was this thing where DARPA, again, a wing of the government that's defense research projects, DARPA said, hey, general public, I got $2 million for you, Larry, if you can develop an autonomous vehicle that can complete a course in the Mojave Desert that's 140 miles long and do it under eight hours. So you had all these universities and private entities competing, and it was really fascinating to watch. You would totally dig mm-hmm. it. In the end, it comes down to Carnegie Mellon and Stanford one one of which goes at it from a hardware perspective and the other one goes at it pretty much strictly from a code perspective and i'll leave it to you to discern mm. who wins but uh it's really cool to see that and now to see all these other things taking place um which are seemingly the the logical next step for it. like i'm curious what would it look like now like ai powered vehicles you know how much more efficient would it be how much more adaptive would it be you know mm. Yeah, this would have been a good conversation to have my friend Dan on for, uh, he's a physics teacher and he leads a a robotic program too. And so he could, he could probably chime in on this a little bit, but yeah. Um, speaking of, since this episode is really kind of focusing on AI and how it's embedded in, you know, the military and scarily. So, uh, did you see this piece of news where the the U S air force has denied conducting a simulation? Did you see it? Yes, I did. In which... An AI drone killed its operator to prevent interference. And this is their statement, their press statement. Earlier, an official had described a virtual test, virtual, again, a simulation where an AI-controlled drone used unexpected strategies and attacked anyone hindering its mission. The Air Force spokesperson stated that the comments were anecdotal and taken out of context, emphasizing the commitment to ethical and responsible use of AI technology. That sounds scary to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I read it too, and it was, it, it was uh, I guess the, the simulation, it was supposed to take out surface-to-air missile sites, and but the, the operator, uh, you know, would be the one to give the final go, no-go. And uh, when the operator gave it a no-go, the uh, supposedly, you know, the, uh, the AI, um, felt like that was interfering with the the goal, Ooh, the mission objective. <laughs> so it took out the operator. Yikes! <laughs> That's interesting how quickly they tamped down that news. I remember, and it's interesting when I first saw the headline, it didn't even mention it was a simulation. So I, I initially thought, oh my god, this poor guy, yeah, this test yeah. died from this AI. But thankfully, that didn't happen. Yeah, I I'm sure I was. It was. It was. Uh, easy clickbait you know to have that headline on there exactly. it's like oh no it's happening <laughs> you know? exactly oh no um that reminded me of uh you know listen this episode is again about ai embedding itself in systems and hardware and it made me think of this other movie zero days have you ever seen that yes you did yes that that fascinated uh, me that whole stuxnet uh i mean damn it was the iranian uh uh, nuclear reactor right yeah you want to summarize it for the listeners it's been a while but yeah it was some very cleverly crafted malicious code that and i'm struggling to remember the details but yeah they were able to disable a a nuclear reactor with with a virus essentially yeah incredible i mean i'll just you know piggyback on that so 
the Americans and the Israelis wanted to take down this uranium enrichment plant That's called Natanz in, yeah. in Iran, and they couldn't do a conventional bombing. It would be too visible. And probably dangerous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. <laughs> but they wrote this code with apparently what's called a zero-day exploit. I don't fully, still, after watching the documentary, I, I don't fully understand what that is, but they're able to breach the air gap, which is basically when you have a hardened system like a nuclear reactor, they're able to get the code in via third-party contractors who plug their USB keys into the, the mainframe or whatever. And this code sat dormant, if you remember, inside the reactor until they ran simulations and things. And to the Iranian engineers, it looked like everything was kosher. I guess that's it wouldn't be kosher for the Iranians, <laughs> but it would look good. Everything would go above board for the, for the Iranians. But behind the scenes, these centrifuges, w which were enriching the uranium in a very delicate spin, were getting spun up way beyond their tolerances and essentially exploding. So they were, they were undermining these devices called PLCs, right? Programmable logic controllers with a chunk of code. Long story short, and they're able to blow up physical systems and you know uh, disable infrastructure using code. Long way around to wonder, again, that was 10 years ago, I think, what what could happen now? What could happen now with a system that's got that exponential, you know, payload of an AI, you know, adaptive system, you know? Uh, yeah, and that reminded me of, of a, um, not, not particularly an AI uh, story, but it was uh, breaching an, an air gap system. And it was something like, if somebody was close enough on the outside wall um, <laughs> it was something about Bluetooth. The, the power supply of the computer, <laughs> you know, pulsing in a certain way and they could pick it up on the other side of the wall. And yeah, I'm missing some very important details here, but Jeez. yeah, it was, it was, it was embedding. I guess you would still have to have someone on the inside to right. plant something on this machine, but then it would transmit via drawing on the power supply in a, in a certain fashion and it would emit a certain amount of RF. And, and if someone was close enough, like on the other side of a wall, they could receive it and, 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 and get some, wow. some information out of an air-gapped computer. It's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. So I'm, I'm what, AC power is what, 60, 60 hertz, something like that. So they're manipulating like the, I, the, I think it's just a, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not, it's, it's RF being emitted from the power supply in the computer. Crazy, man. I mean, man, man people figure out how to get past anything, man. <laughs> right. Engineering. <laughs> um, so yeah, imagine like, imagine now what, what can happen. And I was, uh, you know, so much to think about with all this and, and so scary and the possibilities not, not only with the saw, like, all right, so that's, that's in a military situation. What happens if somebody wants to do this? to the you know eastern seaboard of the u.s they want to just proliferate some sort of, because stuxnet stuxnet was the virus that they engineered against the iranians and it eventually got out got into the water supply it got out <laughs> you're right it yeah. got out they found it infected laptops desktops all around the world and nobody really understood how and i guess the blessing there is that it wasn't seeking out, it was seeking out a specific plc right mm -hmm. it was seeking out this i don't know I forget the manufacturer, but what Siemens? Yep. But but it wasn't finding that obviously in, in Larry's you know MacBook. So you could have Stuxnet right now in your home computer sitting there, right? Mm. Perhaps. But um, I was also thinking about as we're going to hear in the news a little bit later that you know the U.S. military is starting to experiment with uh, UAVs, drones that are powered by AI, because now, as I understand it, like if they're running a sortie off of a, a aircraft carrier with a a drone in the Persian Gulf. I think in this day and age, and maybe you know more about this, Larry, there is some guy or girl in a bunker in Kansas, right? And they are sitting there in front of an array of monitors, and they are piloting that drone off the deck of a, you know, the USS Larry Bentley in <laughs> the Persian Gulf and flying it via, you know, by wire, uh, satellite 8,000 miles away. There's a human in control. So when they say, bomb this target somewhere in Yemen or wherever we're not supposed to be bombing. Uh, there's a ultimately human in that decision chain, right? That's my understanding. So, yeah. So now they're talking about handing that over to AI to make the decision. And that's when it gets really scary, right? What could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? I mean, yeah. If, can't we, yeah. maybe we could all just 
agree to settle our international differences with a good game of Call of Duty or something like that. Right. <laughs> you know, if it's all going to be That'd virtual be controlled, you know, all right, all right, we'll agree not to actually drop actual bombs on you if you if you don't drop actual bombs on us, and we'll just keep score, <laughs> you know, That's digitally. Brilliant. Right, extreme video gaming between countries. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, <clears throat> what's it going to come down to? It's going to come down to robot versus robot on the battlefield. Right. So why not, why not just keep it completely virtual? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Along those lines, the U.S. Defense Department is conducting experiments, and who knew this? This is an interesting development, using large language models like ChatGPT to improve data integration and digital platforms across the military. Their exercises involve running LLMs uh, like ChatGPT and Google's BARD to generate human-like responses and assist with mil military tasks. As you can imagine, I would imagine the bureaucracy of the military is a slow moving machine, but apparently from their experiments, it has sped things up like tenfold. So things that used to take days or weeks now take 10 minutes. So I, th I guess, I guess that's a good thing. We can kill people faster. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I, I think we were going to talk about the, um, the Chinese um, warships and uh, they were able to design the entire electrical system for a warship in, in a day. And using AI to yeah. lay out the schematic, you mean? Yeah, and, and they yeah. said that would normally take a team of humans with advanced computer tools almost a year. Oh I mean, that's God. what they were claiming. And I don't know, yeah, right, why right. not? Propaganda, <laughs> yeah, but still, yeah. doable, right? Yeah, and then the other scary part was that uh, the, apparently their naval fleet has surpassed America's in terms of sheer size and is growing faster than uh, U.S. manufacturers have the ca capacity to match. Mm, yikes. Yikes is right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, along what we're just talking about large language models and the air gap thing from the Stuxnet anecdote, you know, if they're using ChatGPT and Google Bard, I would, ima I would imagine they, it's obviously not the ones that are, that we're using as, as civilians and consumers, right? I mean, we'll talk about that a little, little bit later on because ChatGPT, from what I understand, is in some pretty big trouble right now in terms of scraping information from sites where it shouldn't have. But um, I'm just curious, like when the military uses this, they must have their own proprietary flavor of LLM. Like that's got to be closed off. How would you use it using like state secrets and, you know, state strategies and things and feed it in there for advice without exposing it? I guess that's the question. Yeah, I, I guess the, I guess that's an example of them training the model themselves on a closed system and I mean it's definitely like you know you always hear like oh like, you know government wrench is $479 you know right, well this right. is this is not chat GPT but it's I mean it's the same technology but yeah they must yeah. It, it must be hopefully very secure and <laughs> you would hope although I mean I've read that the IRS and even some like old nuclear silos are running on some very old 40 year old machines with like five and a quarter floppies and some, you know, MS-DOS, essentially, you know? I've heard that, too, and I've always hoped that's not true. <laughs> no. Yeah. So along those lines, too, uh, we were just saying that OpenAI Microsoft are being sued by $3 billion. Class action lawsuit, I think it's 16 different, uh, you know, uh, plaintiffs. And they're suing because vast amounts of private information has been scraped in order to train ChatGPT chat without their consent. Lawsuit, which was filed on the 28th in San Francisco, includes 16 plaintiffs. Um, yeah, scraped 300 billion words from the internet without registering as a data broker or obtaining consent. And Microsoft is OpenAI's main customer and corporate partner, licensing AI technology from the company for billions of dollars. So, there's that. So, they, they scraped data from uh, stuff that was not publicly posted or public? I'm not sure, but I'm going to take a leap here and say they, they took it from wherever they wanted. LarryBentley.com. They went there and whatever you've written in, in your blog for the past three years, they kind of fed that into their uh, data set without asking any permission. Because I say that, uh, the, the other two little uh, bullet points here, Two award-winning authors recently sued OpenAI, accusing the generative AI uh, violating copyright law uh, by using their published books to train ChatGPT without their consent. And then Sarah Silverman, you know, the comedian Sarah mm -hmm. Silverman, 
she's suing Stability AI, which makes Stable Diffusion image generator, text image generator, uh, for stealing her information and turning it into output. So I think it's happening kind of wholesale across these uh, large language models and text to image generators and whatever kind of AI platform. They're, I think they're just grabbing a lot of this content without asking. There's a lot of gray area there. I think like, I know, part of me would think like anything that was that was taken from a public forum, a discussion group, you know, I th I think that's fair fair play, you know. You you're posting in a public forum and right. I guess you could say it's the same thing as like, "Hey, well, I've read all of these forums and I've distilled all this information and and I can speak to yeah. it now." And but from somebody's book, that's a little different, a copyrighted work, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's uh man, how do you how do you get to the bottom of that, though? Yeah, I don't know. And to your point, you just said, like, so say I comment on my own website or I comment on your blog or, you know, social media page. I'm not registering my content every time I post with the Library of Congress. I'm not, I'm not taking any kind of protective measures. I mean, and I don't think there's anything like poor man's copyright, as they used to call it. Do you remember that? Yeah, mail something to yourself. <laughs> exactly. You got the federal postmark or the postmark on it. Yeah, so that's a great question. The thing that I found really interesting in this kind of arena, recently Getty Images, which people may know for you know providing stock images for marketing and video and advertising, they are suing Stability AI. Sorry, I got that wrong before. Sarah Silverman's suing ChatGPT. That makes more sense, right? She's not suing Stable Diffusion. Okay. But yeah. these guys are. Getty Images is suing Stability AI, which makes Stable Diffusion because they feel that they're mining their stock images and creating new output with it, mm. which is inter an interesting wrinkle. And I saw a great comment online that said, but isn't that what every artist and musician has ever done since the beginning of time? Like, Larry, when you were going to art school, like, didn't you go to, like, you went to the museum and you looked at Rodin and you looked at Van Gogh and you looked at Botticelli and you put those in your brain and you went home with your canvas and you made the Bentleyism, right? And didn't you just do the human version of what Stable Diffusion is doing? It's taking these source images, it's combining them, synthesizing them, and creating something entirely new. You know? Yeah, I can I can see both sides of it and I and and I, I kinda agree with both sides of it, which makes us very I'm very conflicted on it. Yeah. Cause I guess they could argue that, well, we sell these images for, you know, there there is a price to use these and you're using them. And that's that. You know? Yeah. So it, it those images are a product that they paid for and they're reselling. Uh, so I, I can see their side yeah. of it. Yeah. I can see it too. That's a great point. Like you're using the image. I don't care how you're using it. But uh, some other comment on Reddit stood out to me too. It's like, Getty, they said, I guess they're a professional photographer or something. And they said, well, Getty Images has their own problems with intellectual property. Oh. Meaning that oh, may, maybe there's some content in there that it's not rightfully theirs in the first place. Ooh, that, perhaps that's, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see Adobe's in a good position with their solutions because, well, a they've very clearly said that uh, any of their generative fill and text to image stuff is entirely trained on the Adobe Image Library, and uh -huh. they've gone even further. Uh, apparently, for any of their enterprise customers, that if you end up getting sued, we will. We we have your back, and they'll basically oh, wow. handle the legal fees, and and that that's how obviously they're confident that that they've sourced their uh, training from stuff they genuinely have the rights yeah. for. So, have you been using their like Firefly at all? Not so much. I, I'm I'm still I'm I'm just deep in mid journey, and and. I haven't I haven't dug that far into the Adobe stuff. The little bit I have, I, I felt like Midjourney seems to have such an edge in the quality department. The Adobe stuff's great. I mean, the 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 and I, I still I think the combination of those two things are are, are awesome, and and the Adobe stuff's yeah. going to continue to get better. But uh, it's mm -hmm. it's still really really great. But like you know, the one of the things that was super useful. Uh, going from mid journey to Photoshop is if you wanted to expand your 
uh, canvas or zoom out a little bit, but now you can do that in mid-journey and it does it very effectively because it, it knows, it knows what generated the image in the first place. Yeah. And it has that information that Adobe doesn't have. And, and, um, mm -hmm. so it can do a very, a very good job. Well, in addition to our conversation, one of the things I look forward to each week is our uh, text-to-image shootout that we do. I usually <laughs> spit out something out of Dolly and say, what do you think of this? And you come back and one-up me with mid-journey and they they both look great but uh yeah they, no I, I think the ones one you sent uh, today I was my immediate reaction was like oh that's very very cinematic and when I when I put the same prompt that you had uh it it wasn't that great it was just more documentary kind of looking uh but then when I, I added the word cinematic to the prompt then it, it got much improved you know yeah, that's funny. The one I, I output from Dolly, I didn't output it. When I prompted that Dolly output, had this <laughs> had this very J.J. Abrams lens flare kind of look to it, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> um, so a couple things that came to mind as you're talking, uh, and a moment ago, I, I think there's two recurring segments we need to incorporate. One is here come the lawsuits, and we'll <laughs> yeah. every week we'll like keep track of who's getting sued for <laughs> violating IP. Uh, and the other one should be this week in Mid Journey because we cannot help but talk about how incredible this platform is. And you just sent me yesterday, I think, you know, a whole stable of updates and things. I don't know if you want to summarize that. Yeah. I, the thing I'm super impressed with is, is they, they, I, they do this like uh, uh, office hours kind of like, you know, here's what's new and here's what's coming. And uh, they seem to be very transparent about the timeline and, and what they're doing. Like we're, we're at version 5.2 now and they, they talked about all the way up to version seven and um and it's amazing because it's like version five came out in march or something like that <laughs> i mean wow. it's, it's really really quick um but uh yeah so five two came out and uh they um they added a, a new uh command called weird uh have not played with it that Ooh, much that um, sounds great yeah it sounds great yeah um and they say it's uh, to make the image grid chaotically varying or more adventurous and creative. And then you can combine that with the stylized command. And uh, they recommend, uh, you know, if you still want it to look pretty or good to have use equal values on stylized and weird. And there's like a, a numerical wow. range, like zero to a thousand or something like that. And um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, there's, they added a turbo mode. It's four times faster. Um, you know, uh, I think it uses more GPU time, so it costs you a little bit more of your, your time. Sure. Uh, the biggie was, um, just like zooming was huge. Now they added panning. So when you upscale an image, it gives you four arrows and you can pan the camera left, right, up or down. And, um, <clears throat> and it considers a whole image when you do that. And, um, and uh, you can, it, it's, it's great. Like if, if, if you've got somebody sitting on a couch and you don't want them centered in the frame, like, okay, cool. We'll pan to the left or right. Uh, and then you can, wow. you can, there's tricks where you can add things. If you, one of the things that's hard to pull off in mid journey is to have like, you know, two different looking, uh, let's just say, for example, you wanted a happy woman and a sad guy. It's hard to get that in one prompt to happen. Mm. Uh, but with panning, you can kind of add another prompt, I think in remix mode, I'm, I might have that wrong, but there's a way to do it. And, and, and that, that, that helps accommodate that. Um, uh, then they they said they're working on web and mobile, uh, standalone, uh, Ooh, yeah, that that's exciting. That is, I don't like discord. I don't like, I think having to deal I'm, with that. Yeah. I'm all right with it, but, uh, but I can see how it's a barrier to entry for a lot of mm -hmm. people. Cause there's yeah. some, you got to jump through some hoops. It's not tricky, but there, you know, it's no. not, it's not straightforward. Uh, invite, you got to invite the bot to your server and, you know, and, and it's not that hard, but on the surface it can be, uh, intimidating. Yeah. Kind of off-putting. It yeah. wasn't like, Oh my God, here's this interface. It's super intuitive. And you know, it's some, as you're talking about, you know, these values and attributes, I'm just envisioning like sliders, you know, that are just very easy to navigate. Oh, weirdness. Let's slide the weirdness. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, that's, that's also hilarious to me. Like there's a weird function now, like as if this whole endeavor isn't weird enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like what's that going to be? Yeah. It's going to get weirder. <laughs> 
Um, and uh, they're going to have uh, in-painting, uh, I said inside Discord first, then to the standalone web and mobile. So that, that, that could be similar to like what you can do in Photoshop with generative fill. Like you want to you add something in the image that you've already made. Um, and then uh, version 5.3, they said it'll be the last version 5 update before version 6, estimated in the next week or two. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just like boom, boom, boom. And, um, and then uh, version 6, uh, training, iterating, higher resolution. Uh, no numbers were given, but that's, that's intriguing. Um, mm-hmm. Increased language compensation, or comprehension, rather. Uh, understands prompts better, uh, better details. Uh, for example, understanding what's next to what. That's great. Um, more diverse outputs, diversity, better aesthetics. Um, and uh, this will be the first version to create new types of images and subject matter. No details yet. Lots of testing needed. No, so it's a little vague there. Estimated, hopefully this month, not this week. <laughs> I mean, wow. Last, and also, it'll be the last version with a two by two grid. And so oh, I don't okay. know if they're going to give you more outputs, uh, you know. But, oh, two by two in terms of like the options that it presents you yeah. as output. I see. Got and it. then lastly, uh, version seven. <laughs> I can't believe they're even talking about it, but larger grids, uh, eight or 16 image grids. Um, and uh, initially iterating in lower resolutions, lower initial resolution, then upscale, and first very big image quality improvement. Whoa, I think it's pretty good right now. So, and then uh, other stuff, uh, um, crazy research on the background as always, 3D motion, no specific updates. Um, Yeah, it's just crazy, crazy cool. And then the last thing I mentioned was that the uh, printed magazine shipped, uh, which I received in my mailbox a couple days ago. And I got to say, like, I haven't had a physical magazine subscription in a long time. Forever. But this is one where, like, when I opened the mailbox and I saw it, I was like, ooh, cool, it's here. You know, it's, it's, I I think it's super cool that that they're doing a really high quality printed magazine with all these just, like, really amazing images and they all have the prompts in them. I know we talked about this before, but super cool. Yeah. Is it like a large format magazine? Is it like glossy stock? Like, like I'm thinking like art quality kind of, you know, gallery kind of quality it's, stock. So the, the cover is like a really nice matte finish. Like really, you know, it just feels nice in your hand. Love, love that. And yeah. then, then everything inside is glossy. And uh, yeah, the quality is, is very good. And the printing's really good. And, and it's just this cool magazine full of cool pictures. And then they usually have one interview with somebody in there. And I was going to ask you yeah. what else the content is. There yeah. No advertising, is there? Nope. And it's four dollars. Four dollars. And you buy you buy like a year subscription for that for that or what is, I how does think that? They work just out? bill you per month four bucks. I mean, that's to get that thing shipped to you for four dollars as a bargain. It's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah the really printing cool. printing alone. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And of course, I'm thinking about a lot of things when you're talking, as always. And but I'm thinking about the physical organization of mid-journey like they must be on a hiring spree They're, they must be like how are they handling all this demand and growth you're saying version seven is coming out next thursday and right? it's, gotta be, it's gotta be mayhem over the over there in mid-journey offices i know i am hoping that you know when they once they release this like standalone app and a web you know version that it, they don't just get hammered and it's like oh man everything is so slow now but yeah. they, they have to know what the demand is going to be and and uh, I'm sure they're scaling up appropriately. I wonder what the demand is now. I, I would love to know. I'd love to know how many users they have and right and and how much compute power is behind all of this. It's just super fascinating to me. Well, maybe we'll know by next week's installment of this week in Midjourney. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'll see what I can find out. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, how about we go over to Reina with the news? Thanks, boys. I missed you both, by the way. Glad to be back. From military might to entertaining delights, AI is manifesting its magic and menace in virtually every facet of our lives. Calling all brainiacs, a group of UK universities is on a mission to make everyone AI literate. They've launched the fantastic AI for UK initiative to equip staff and students with the know-how to navigate the AI landscape responsibly. Get ready to level up your AI game, kids. In other Anglo-centric AI news, OpenAI's globetrotting adventure begins with their shiny new office in the heart of London. The birthplace of Big Ben is now home to OpenAI's brilliant minds. 
With research and engineering teams all under one London roof, they'll be collaborating with other AI wizards to make the future even brighter, we hope. NVIDIA is wielding its AI superpowers to revolutionize healthcare. They've unleashed a mighty arsenal of AI tools, from a mind-boggling AI-powered medical imaging platform to an awe-inspiring AI-powered drug discovery platform, and even an AI-powered clinical decision support system. Say goodbye to the old guard because NVIDIA is gearing up to save lives with AI. In scary Skynet-related news, the U.S. military is taking flight with AI-powered drones that can soar through the skies without human intervention. These aerial wonders are a game-changer, with their abilities to conduct surveillance, reconnaissance, and even engage in combat. Meanwhile, China is setting sail towards naval dominance with AI-powered warships that will shake up the seas. These cutting-edge vessels come equipped with AI-powered sensors and weapons, granting them an edge that will make traditional warships shiver in their wake. The future of naval warfare is here, and it's powered by AI. On the lighter side in entertainment news, Netflix has a special AI treat for you. They've enlisted the power of AI to recommend movies and TV shows tailored just for you. By analyzing user ratings, viewing history, and search habits, their AI system becomes your personal entertainment guru. YouTube is breaking barriers with AI-generated closed captions. Now everyone can enjoy videos regardless of their hearing abilities. Thanks to AI, subtitles are automatically generated, making YouTube a welcoming platform for the deaf and hard of hearing community. And finally, the NBA is shooting for the stars with AI tracking player movement on the court. This high-tech data allows teams to analyze player performance, uncover patterns, and make strategic moves that'll leave their opponents in awe. With AI as their sixth man, the game will never be the same again. That's all the news for now. Back to you, gentlemen. So I, I've been wondering about, like, you know, kids going to college right now. Like, are they going to um, graduate um, mm. or, or, or ones that have started recently? Are they going to graduate being ill-prepared for this AI-driven world because the, uh, the colleges haven't, pun intended, course corrected? <laughs> right. But, right. I think about that all the time. I, I Hopefully we can dedicate a few episodes, maybe even a season to it, because it's that big of a problem. I just saw one of these guys from Google or somewhere said he thinks that the profession of, of coding, computer science, will be dead in three to five years. Wow. Like, you're not going to have a need for that at all. Um, and I can tell you from a former teacher's perspective that many of the old guard teachers, if COVID wasn't the final nail in the coffin for their careers, than AI will be in terms of being able to teach students in a traditional bricks and mortar setting mm. with these AI tools to fight. It's let alone teach, let alone, yeah, they're doing two things in a classroom and I'm not going to belabor this, but they're trying to tamp down the use of this new tool. And they're also charged with how do I show these students how to use it to be productive and creative and be a collaborator with it. And that takes a whole parallel learning track in itself to figure that out, doesn't it? Mm. That's what we're doing. So crazy do you, times. Do you yeah. think, uh, so you were saying like coders, I, I, I get that, um, but computer science, you think that's, there still seems like that's like at the heart of all of this. And you would think you would still need, you know, people knowing on, knowing what's going on under the hood and, um, I think you you will. I think you'll still have those people that understand the nuts and bolts of AI code and how it's interacting with hardware and whatever systems. But I liken it to this. As I was thinking about this when I was reading the article, um, do we need to teach penmanship in, in schools anymore? Do we need to do that? I mean, it's just such a rudimentary, anachronistic thing, unless you're you know, a historian reading the Declaration of Independence, like, who needs to understand how to write in cursive anymore? We're I mean, typing with our thumbs for the past 10 years. Mm. So, I don't know, is some of this, some of the language that, you know, computer science majors are tasked with learning, is it going the way of the dodo? Like, do they need, are they going to need to know HTML and Python and Java in the next three to five years? Is that going to be completely offshore to these AIs? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think some of the stuff that uh, Raina mentioned about like NVIDIA and the, um, you know, in the medical field, 
I, I try. I went on their website and I was just trying to, you know, it's it's there's a whole lot of big words getting thrown around that I don't really understand. But yeah, uh, it's I I I I read I read a quote somewhere. Somebody was predicting that human beings will achieve immortality by the year 2030, which is you mm. know. <laughs> That that's like on a mid journey kind of time frame we're talking yeah. about, you know. Uh, yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, but after reading like some of the stuff like Nvidia is working on like um, uh, drug candidates, like kept figuring out uh, drug candidates for uh, certain problems, um, you know, it sounds like that kind of thing is probably the the biggest driver behind a prediction like that, because mm-hmm. it seems like it's 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 going to be able to speed things up that would take so much longer to figure out cures for things. And like, you know, I know we're talking about a lot of doom and gloom in this episode, but, and I think we're going to go more on the, on the positives on the next episode, but that's probably the biggest one. Yeah. You're making me think of our previous conversation about Ray Kurzweil, Ray Kurzweil's singularity and advances like you're talking about. He says by 2048 ish, you're not going to be able to distinguish technology from biology. And I guess that's where that kind of comes from. And then we're seeing that timeline unfold. And I haven't heard NVIDIA's name thrown around as much as I have recently. It's there, definitely on their AI game, whether it's generating, you know, NPCs with more characteristics and video game systems or healthcare, whatever. They're definitely going to be out there in front, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, probably a good stock to buy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that I didn't. That's good if you did. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, the one thing that Raina said that stood out to me too. I thought Netflix has been using AI to do all that kind of menu customization, etc. But what I do think is going to happen with Netflix is that the next step for them using AI would be to create completely customized content for you, Larry. For me, like they know that I like sci-fi. They know I'm from New Jersey. They know I'm middle-aged. They know that I'm a former teacher. They're going to take all that stuff and they're going to somehow create completely tailored content for me that has, that's just tweaking all those little nostalgia dials for me. That like, <laughs> oh, wait, I, I can relate to that. That's part of my experience. You know what I mean? I feel like there's going to be something where almost like, do you remember when you were a kid? I don't know if you ever got one of these, but my mom had a book. You could buy these books where it had your name in it. And that was like super cool when you're eight, eight years old. Like, oh my God, it says Chris right here. Chris is the, the, pro, the protagonist in this adventure, you know? <laughs> oh it's, man, I'm going to date myself yeah, here. But I, yeah, I yeah. remember I was so happy because I got a, back when I would buy 45s, you know, records, vinyl 45 yeah, RPM sure. records. Uh, and Captain Kangaroo was a, oh my God. <laughs> a superstar. The, yeah. You could go in and buy a Captain Kangaroo 45 with the song about Larry or Chris. Oh, <laughs> you know, so guy must cool. have spent like two months in the studio recording. You know? right. All the variations of the names. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's great. But you uh, make, Sorry, you were bringing me back with that. Good. I would be thrilled if Netflix uh, could use AI to solve the 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 problem of all right, I'm going to sit down and watch something, and then spending 45 minutes, and then by the time you finally land on something, ah, oh, damn, it's now it's too late to watch it. That's if they right. can solve yeah. that problem, that's that's something I can get behind. Yeah, it's the new channel surfing, right? Yeah. You're looking at your endless list of stuff that you're probably never going to get around to. Yeah, yeah, crippled by. Uh, too many options in a related vein like think speaking of custom pure you know unadulterated customized content that netflix can deliver for you individually you shared with me what we'll call the the ai spotlight of the week and it's wonder studio is the ai platform right yeah yeah i only just heard about this but it is uh, I have not played with this, uh, but if you watch, if you go to uh, uh, what's uh, the website, wonderdynamics.com. I, That's or a great question. AI. We'll share it on social. I don't remember yeah. what it is. Um, uh, their their demo, product demo video is crazy impressive. Uh, and the basic gist is if you want to make a movie and you want to uh, have an AI, uh, I'm sorry, a CG um, animated character in it, uh, where you would traditionally use motion capture, uh, capturing, you know, you've seen, everybody's seen the behind the scenes footage of an actor in a suit with, you know, ping pong balls and dots all over it, you know, and it's Randy circus as King Kong or yeah, Gollum. Or Gollum right? Yeah. And, and, yep. and it 
tracks all these movements, goes into a computer, they apply that to a 3D model of the character to animate the, the skeleton. And uh, so basically you can shoot a video, just a video of, of a person. On your phone. Uh, yeah, on your phone. Shoot a video of someone running, walking, doing jumping jacks, whatever. And, and it will analyze the motion and you can use one of their stock characters or you can upload your own 3D model. I assume the model has to be rigged. Um, you know, for animation, like in Unity or some other right system, um, right? Yeah, and I think that they tie in with with Blender uh, since that's free. Um, when you say rigged, you mean like articulated, right? Yeah, for so you can, you can make a three D model of a of a character, but you have to rig it for animation, which is basically building a skeleton inside the model. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so you can, oh, I want to raise the hand up, I want to move the finger. You've got control points that you can animate with. And uh, and it will it will motion track just from the video. Uh, it will create the uh, the the mask over the person that the the person that's in the video that you shot. The source, the, yeah, source subject, yeah, the, right? the live action. Then mm -hmm. it'll create a clean plate from that, so it'll basically erase the you know the actual person from the footage. Well, the, you know, and the camera can be in motion. It doesn't. It's it can be a complicated shot. And then it will match lighting and 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 it'll it'll track that you can have multiple actors, it'll know which ones are which, and it'll track them across different shots. Uh, it's it's it almost Amazing. seems too good to be true, but it's uh, I know. Yeah, it looks super legit. And then you can export that all back out uh, into Blender and render it and make your movie. Right. I saw that was really fascinating too. You can split it out in layers basically on the export. You can have the video, you can have the wireframed articulated rigging that I guess you can lay, lay a skin over in another program, it seems. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's, uh... Wonder Studio. And then you got me digging around and I found this other one called Kyber AI, which it seems like I could just import a video of you. Like I see you right now, Larry, I could pull you in to Kyber and I could add any, any number of treatments to it and it'll just auto animate it. Um, and it's it's a lot sexier than how I'm describing it. Like it sounds like I'm just throwing a Photoshop filter on you and kind of hoping for the best, but it's pretty amazing what I saw. Kind of like those one we, ones we were talking about that I think were made, you know, through stable diffusion and a couple other processes of like Greek statues that were animated that we we're seeing in melt.ai on yeah. Instagram. It's kind of like that, but it seems like it's like one-stop shopping. Mm -hmm. So that's our episode. Uh, we're going to leave you with a listener question. What do you think? Will Skynet become reality? Will science fiction become self-fulfilling prophecy? Or have Larry and I been watching too many movies? <laughs> it's possible. Both. So, anything else? No. I think uh, next week we'll focus on, on the positives. The, uh, <laughs> all the good stuff. All the good stuff. <laughs> what, what's the opposite of doom and gloom? We'll think of that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> 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 probably got the word cheer in it i don't know yeah cheer and beer cheer and beer there you go there yeah go. <laughs> ai beer <laughs> all right everybody thanks so much please check us out subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform follow us on facebook throw us a rating if you like it what you hear and we will see you next week this has been up against reality thanks for listening Subscribe to hear future episodes and be sure to follow us on social media for all things AI. Until next time, stay human, people. <laughs>